Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. It is Thursday, April 23rd, 2020. I am Andrew Hansen, happy to be joined by Andy Gallagher, who is potentially otherwise known as Kevin Costner today on draft day. Andy, how are we doing down there? All right. What's up, everybody? Yes, I'm doing good in Florida. I don't want to give you a full weather report because people might get jealous of that, you know, with the warm, <laughs> hot weather and sunny and all that. So even though um, I'm looking forward to my Browns getting a good number 10 overall draft pick. So I kind of feel for that movie there, especially, you know, placing my heart for it. Yeah, that was a good one. It's always fun to uh, get into those front office movies. And, of course, we're covering the Oakland Athletics today, the subject of Moneyball, which was just an incredible movie. We've got the the A's and the Angels uh, for Andy and Andrew. We got the it's all A's today, straight A's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we got the A's covered, the A teams. That's right. But yeah, big fun day here today on draft day, uh, Thursday. We're recording this early afternoon, so uh, we'll try to get this out to you folks here mid afternoon so we can consume it before we get some real live content to consume tonight that's going to actually matter for DFS. Absolutely. That's exciting. We got a lot of moves here and there. It's really one of the most unpredictable things in sports. You never know what's going to happen. Trades up and down and everything. So, you know, there's cool contests for that. And so it's a lot of just fun to jump in and, you know, just for the fun of it. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's jump in here today. Uh, As we mentioned, we've got the continuation of the AL West coverage here on DFS Coach Talk. We're going through two MLB teams per day. We've already wrapped up our NBA coverage. We're in the middle of MLB, and then after that, we'll get into two NFL teams per day. So we'll get to break down some of the NFL draft moves that we saw tonight uh, later in the spring here as we wait for real sports to come back. But, uh, yeah, let's get back in with the AL West here, and I'll jump in on the Angels. They were 72-90 and last year, but they've got a change at the top. Joe Madden is in town. He's the new manager this year, and I enjoyed hearing one of his press conferences this spring where they were talking about Otani coming back into the rotation and what were his plans for Otani. And he talked about, you know, hopefully getting him back mid-May. So, of course, this was early spring. So um, the idea is as he's coming back from Tommy John, they're going to work him back into the rotation, have him pitch once a week. But what Madden said was that he wants to really, you know, ease Otani through the season to make sure he's ready for the playoffs. And of course the angels were, you know, a long way from the playoffs last year and they're going to have to make a major improvement if they want to get to that, to that point. But I do love the mentality of, of Joe Madden. Obviously he's a proven winner. Uh, and, and maybe he, you know, the change at the top in that mentality is what the angels need, but uh, it is a pretty tough division we're, as we get, we'll get into the A's here later in this podcast Obviously, they've got to deal with the Houston Astros. So tall task at hand for Joe Madden, but they do also have Anthony Rendon in town now. You know, big free agent signing, seven years, 245 million. So they really are investing to try to give Mike Trout, you know, another big hitter in the in the middle of the lineup. So um, that is going to be the strength of this team is the, is the batting order. And my general overview for DFS in terms of the hitters is I would consider the first five batters. I would consider playing them at the right price. Probably not much after that. And let me break that down for you. 
At the top of the order, at the order, looks like it's going to be Tommy Lastella playing second base, and he had a career high at home runs last year with 16 in un- under 300 at bats. So uh, that, that's a pretty good power number for your leadoff guy. He's, his slugging percentage was 486. Um, and again, depending on his price, you know, in these simulations, he's 2500. He averaged 10.07 FanDuel points per game last year. Uh, so you could do worse there for a leadoff guy who is hopefully going to score a lot of runs because of the guys who are coming up next. And that starts with Mr. Trout, uh, the MVP, who had another phenomenal season last year. Career high in home runs with 45. And he led the league in on-base percentage, slugging, and OPS. Andy, that's the trifecta of all trifectas. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and that's why you know they probably have him... Uh, performing so well in the simulations every simulation contest you can count on getting about 20 points off of just playing trout just a plug and play yeah he really is and of course he's expensive at 4500 but averaging over 15 fantasy points per game last year certainly worth the investment guy who's giving you 100 runs 100 rbi 100 walks career high in slugging last year with 645 so just nothing slowing him down the other big news with him is he's uh, he and his wife are expecting a baby this August. So that'll be something to stay tuned uh, for. You know, maybe that's the one thing that can slow him down is fatherhood and having to, you know, have those mm. sleepless nights. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see how that affects him later in the season. But um, until then, uh, yeah. we're going to keep rolling him out there. there. Something there, though, to watch out definitely for, because that's not something that's to be taken lightly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a game changer for sure. Next in the lineup is we've got the new addition, Anthony Rendon, coming over from the Nationals, where he, he led the NL in RBI last year with 126, and he had his second consecutive season with 44 doubles, led the league in that category as well. OPS over one, slugging almost 600. Uh, I mean, they've just got to be thrilled to have him batting behind Trout. And in these simulations, he's uh, 3,800, averages 14 fantasy points last year. So I, I like the value there. Um, you know, the big question mark for him is coming into the American League now. Uh, you know, how does that affect him facing a, a whole new group of pitchers? So that'll be something to watch early in the season for him. The cleanup man is Mr. Yeah, Otani. Would... Yep. Go ahead. Oh, just saying – uh, with Rendon, you know, given that we don't know what's happening with um, the the uh, order of divisions and everything, and maybe it's Cactus, maybe it's uh, you know out in California, who knows? But um, with as an overall hitter though, that's improved his slugging and ISO. Um, last year, he he tried out for MVP really of the of baseball last year, so um, he has the advanced X numbers to back up everything he's done really. And he's good at hard contact. He can get you some barrels, too. So he's a really great hitter. So I wouldn't expect any significant drop-off from Rendon. Yeah, that's a great point. If they just have different alignment this year, then he might not have to to face as many new pitchers. The next guy in the lineup, Mr. Otani. Man, what a fun guy to watch out on the baseball field, no matter what he's doing. Two straight years where he's averaging 20 home runs in under 400 at-bats. Uh, just incredible that he can be so productive, you know, while he's pitching and and not playing every day. Uh, 
I have something with Pujols. Okay. Uh, before we move on to the next guy. Sure. He, he may be negatively impacted by the hiatus um, this season. It may not go well for him because um, from a financial standpoint, um, you know, if they're uh, if they're tolerating basically an o- over the hill hitter that's been mm-hmm. around so long, you know, not to take nothing away from his um, greatness of, you know, the kind of numbers he put up historically in the history of the game. Um, but his his salary, I, I think, is not. I can't remember, recall exactly what I heard about it, but it was something that negatively impacted as far as maybe it's not maybe there's some loose ends tied up or something um, from a not financial aspect. I don't I didn't have any numbers on that, but um, they'll have to be satisfied, of course, with his leadership and subpar numbers compared to his career, um, you know, because the standards as far as advanced stats are not up to obviously what they have been in years past. So if, if they can if he can withstand and, and they can also you know, keep keep together um, uh, on the same page on, for at least another year, then, you know, that'll be fine. Yeah, talk about a, an albatross contract that he signed when he came over from St. Louis. He just, you know, hasn't lived up to his performance in St. Louis, and it's been a steady decline for an incredible hitter. But, uh, you know, in general, not not providing anywhere close to the value of that contract. So, that is uh, certainly an issue, um, but um, you know, in, in terms of Otani, uh, I'll wrap up with him as a hitter and just say that he, I think, is a little bit overpriced in these simulations uh, because he, although he has that much pop, he only averaged 10.74 fantasy points per game last year. So I'd much rather invest in Rendon. But once we get into Pujols and Upton, uh, you started to preview Pujols there. I'm gonna just I'm gonna talk about those guys together because they could flip flop in that five six hole. Okay. And My bad. I thought you were on pools for some reason. Oh no. Before. No. <laughs> You're on yeah. a time. No, I'm ready oh. for them. Okay. Um, cool. If their averages, if you look at it, are, are very similar in terms of um, for the season. Their their numbers last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I want to break them down together because listen to these numbers. On base percentage, they were 305 and 309. Slugging, they were 430 and 416. And then OPS, they were 734 and 724. So really almost identical numbers. But in these simulations, Pujols is priced at 2,000 and Upton is priced at 2,700. And, you know, they averaged almost identical fantasy points per game last year. So it's a no-brainer for me. I will play Pujols at 2,000. Okay. I'm not, not going to play Upton. He uh, dealing with injuries last year, only got 219 at bats. Yeah. So, you know, he's. I see what you you're know, saying, because he had this year. I think yeah. Was he, part of it as well. Yeah. So he only managed, uh, what was it, 12 home runs last year um, in those 219 at bats. So, so uh, they, they really need one of those okay? guys. Yeah. Yeah. I can hear you. Yep. Okay. So. Did yeah. you want to add anything on Upton? Um, no, just that he's looking to back spout, bounce back from, you know, the down year he had due to injury. Um, you know, his hard hard contact, maybe maybe to look to bounce a right back. Um, I would hope so, you know. So you can go to the next guy. Okay. Yeah, it's funny when you mentioned the contract with uh, Pujols. 
guy who's made over 300 million in his career and Upton's made over 152 million. So um, just crazy numbers out there. Of course, with Trout and that $400 million contract, they are spending big money because they want to win. So um, in terms of the last three guys in the order, uh, I'm not expecting to invest in these guys early in the season. Brian Goodwin um, got over 400 at-bats last year, first time he'd ever gotten over 300 at-bats, and he did pretty well in the power department with 17 homers, um, but only averaged just over eight fantasy points per game. So uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on him. Andrelton Simmons, the shortstop, had a down year due to an ankle injury. So he was under 10 home runs for the first time in a while. He did manage 10 stolen bases. Um, only got didn't get didn't get to 400 at bats, uh, but down numbers in terms of on base and slugging. So you know he he uh, his explanation for those numbers is the injury. So we'll see how he does this year if he's healthy. And then the the catcher Jason yeah. Jason Castro is. You know, decent home run numbers with 13 in 237 at-bats, but not a whole lot else. And there's some other catchers that are more attractive to me in that value price range. So don't plan to play him. Two guys I want to mention off the bench, David Fletcher, who got almost 600 at-bats last year. I'm expecting him to be kind of a utility guy, move around the field, give guys days off. And he only managed six home runs and slugging 384 with those almost 600 at bats. So I yeah. can I can see why they're going to want to put Lestella in that lineup more often yeah. and use Fletcher's versatility off the bench. No power with uh, Fletcher. Yeah. But um, Simmons was interesting because you know he's a veteran that's um, actually up in the 99th percentile. I noticed with strikeout rate, which makes him sort of a unique uh, DFS play. He can um, hammer in the lineup there as kind of like. You know, one of these uh, experienced veterans who can drive some runs in. So um, I, I like him you know, using him for stacks as well and, and sneak him in there sometimes in some good DFS plays on certain slates. Okay. Yeah, it'd be nice to have a bounce back there. And the other guy off the bench I want to mention is Taylor Ward, a young outfielder who got 42 at-bats last year, only batted 190. So uh, not very impressive. But – why do they have this guy around, and, and why am I going to mention him? His numbers in AAA last year, he batted 306 with 27 bombs, knocked in 71, OPS over one in only 106 games. So he's uh, he's got the pop, off to a good start this spring, hitting over 300. So, mm-hmm. so keep an eye on Taylor Ward getting some spot starts. Thanks for the pointer, yeah. Yeah. Look out. Anything else on these hitters, Andy, before I go to the pitching staff? That covered it pretty well for me. Um, I just want me one more thing with Otani. Um, we know that his power dropped last year, his ISO and all that. But despite that, you know, if he gets more play appearances, like if he kind of goes back to his rookie year, so we can call it, maybe we can give it to the sophomore slump. Um, what will help him in that moving forward is that he had nice hard contact, excellent exit velocity which is what we want and need for high upside plays. So just keep that in mind about Otani. Excellent. Well, since you mentioned Otani, I might as well touch on him as the yeah. first pitcher here. And again, he's coming off the Tommy John. So 
Uh, looks like Madden is going to expect to ease him back into the rotation, pitch him once per week, and that'll be fun to see if he can get back on the mound, be healthy, and get out there once a week, um, get back to that 11 strikeouts per nine rate from 2018, whip of 1.16. Um, you know That was that year that he just put up you know, numbers that only Babe Ruth had put up in the history of baseball. So just an incredible guy. Looking forward to seeing him back out there. In terms of the rest of, of the rotation, they brought in Julio Tehran, and he's the guy who, out of the rest of the starters, got the most innings last year, 174 and two-thirds for the Braves. Got you 10 wins, ERA under four. Okay, strikeout rate, 8.3. Didn't give up many home runs. Um, so he's one of those guys without the high strikeout rate. If his price is going to be, you know, along the lines of a, a top front, you know, front line rotation guy, I, I don't expect to play him too much. Next guy I want to mention is Andrew Heaney, who got 18 starts last year. And here's one of these guys with the, the, the two factors that are so important. Strikeouts are there, 11.1 strikeouts per nine last year, but mm-hmm. he also he also gave up a bunch of home runs, 1.9 home runs per nine innings pitched. And as a lefty, I took a look to see about the splits, and you know lefties actually hit pretty well against him. They hit 3.21 with six homers in only 84 at bats, so he's giving up home runs to lefties and righties. But like I mentioned, he has a great strikeout rate, so. That'll be a gamble that uh, potentially might be more uh, more uh, appropriate for a GPP. Another guy they brought in is Dylan Bundy coming over from Baltimore. And he got nine strikeouts per nine last year. Mm-hmm. Whip of 1.35, ERA close to five, you know, on a, on a terrible team, um, hitter's ballpark. Ended up going 7-14. and 14. He's off to a great start in the spring, though. 1.59 and 16 strikeouts in 11 innings. So he's one of the guys who's maybe excited about a new, uh, you know, new environment. So um, we'll keep an eye on him. Not a guy that I would want to target, but, um, <laughs> you know, he might. We'll have to see if, if we can stack against him or not. Or, you know, maybe he'll put up better numbers this year. Here's my take. I, I love the stack against Bundy, yeah, uh, because uh, he doesn't go too long in the games, which gives you, you know, even though he does give you the decent K rate, um, but lots of home runs, useful to attack. I mean, you know, much he's much better also at home uh, versus lefties than righties. Really, what I plan to do though is since the games may be mixed up as far as wherever they play, I would love to attack him with some lefties regardless of where he plays as his underlying stats really don't show off this. So we'll put that in there as a secret squirrel play for the year mm-hmm. because, you know, most people don't really know about him, I believe, is that, you know, if you're playing versus lefties, you'll be good to get you get a good lefty lineup, such as, example, like the Mets, just have a few lefties in there that can crush it, then he's um, really, I believe, a, a nice secret uh, guy to attack. Yeah, you're right. He only averages about five innings per start. So uh, that'll be something to keep an eye on. 
Other two uh, pitchers I want to mention today are Griffin Canning. He made his big league debut in April last year, ended up starting 17 games, 9.6 strikeouts per nine. And he had two innings of work this spring before he was sidelined with an elbow injury. Uh, It sounds like he's supposed to start throwing again at some point here in April. So we'll see if he's ready to go once we get baseball back. Uh, but that's a young guy that they want it. They want to put out there. Yeah. So we'll just have good, to w- young. we'll have to watch his health. Yeah. And the last starter I want to mention is Matt Andrees. He only uh, he made 54 appearances last year, but didn't start. So in, in years okay. past, he he has started. Um, and he did get to 10.1 strikeouts per nine last year. Only gave up one home run per nine. Uh, good start to the spring with an ERA of one in nine innings. So that'll be fun to see is, you know, when he's back in that rotation, assuming he is, you know, due to these injuries to Otani and Canning, uh, you know, what's that transition like to go from the bullpen back to the starting rotation? Yeah, these these guys here at the end of the rotation, you know, pitchers four, five and six, um, you know, like Andres, you know, he's a righty with a good changeup. He improved on his four-seamer last year after he had some horrid previous years, actually. Mm-hmm. And you also got um, Pat Sandoval. Mm-hmm. You know, he was just an 11th-round pick as a lefty. He also has a good fastball uh, with some decent command. You know, been in a farm a long time with the Astros, but never got the high A ball with the Astros. So it's kind of forced up from high A ball, you know, with the Angels here. So when you look at the as a whole, the the back end of the rotation, you know, not including like uh, Canning and and um, Julio Teheran, you know, you can get some consistent work out of those guys maybe in the front front two or three, um, you know, not that they come close to aces aces, but you know, when you start looking at these guys um, getting replaced early on in games, you know, somewhere around the fifth inning, then these guys like um, start coming in. Um, you know, if I may touch on the relievers real quick, like sure. Ansel Robles and Ty Buttry, they're good fastball pitchers. So they can come in and just kind of set up and and do their one or two innings like they'll have to do this year because you can't obviously replace uh, in between or in the middle of an inning. You can't replace a pitcher anymore, according to the rules. So you can they'll, they'll just keep setting it up and, and getting for the closer. But I have no idea who's going to be the closer. Yeah, I'm anticipating it will be Robles. Uh, he finished the year strong with, I believe, 23 saves. Okay. And, and ERA of 2.48, whip of 1.01. So I think that'll be the guy. And I, I do think the the bullpen will be decent. Uh, but the pitching staff in general is really the question mark with yeah. the Angels. We'll see if they can keep up with the hitters. I don't think yeah. they can. So there could no. be some high could be some high scoring games uh, with the Angels. So um, it could be a yeah. a fun team Definitely. to try to stack. Too bad they lost um, um, uh, the gentleman. I'm sorry that they lost to death. Um, the Skaggs. Deceased, uh, Skaggs, yeah, Tyler yeah. Skaggs. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had a, you know uh, some turnover from the pitching staff from last year, but mm-hmm. you know so that doesn't help at all losing a guy like that. No, no doubt. All right, well, that's my overview of the Angels. Let's transition over to the A's, who 
got to the wild card game last year, Andy, and I got to say, I really like their lineup, but what are your general thoughts about Oakland this year? Sure. Um, Bob Melvin's the, the uh, manager, of course, Billy Bean, um, general manager, and they've got themselves um, what they want, I believe, as overall. It's a good team. They would expect to try to get a little bit farther in the playoffs. Um, it's kind of a regular theme with them through the years, you know, and um, so starting to look at it and break it down here. Just need to get over to um, who's potentially batting first here. Maybe we're going to go with uh, Stephen Piscuit. Nope, let's go to um, Marcus Simeon to start out. Simeon um, actually had 47 barrels impressively in 2019. Um, so, you know, I was anxious to see when I started diving into this guy whether these stats could be real. Because mm-hmm. um, this is not likely an obvious uh, outlier to all his previous years for uh, Simeon. You know, he was about where his career BABIP was. So his balls in play, batting average last year in 2016, he did have a similar home run to fly ball rate. So there's a p- potential, you know, where he's not consistent from year to year, but he can bounce up and down, has to have a good year, have a bad year, I suppose, for Simeon. So we'll uh, hope that, you know, we get him on a good night, on a good slate, and see what happens with him. We know he's going to be out there every day. He led the league in plate appearances last year with 747. So... um the more chances you get, I mean, that's what allowed him to hit 33 home runs, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if he, we can't expect him to perform to that level again, but yeah. you never know. So um, then I'm looking at Matt Olson. Uh, I don't think this is a good spot um, for him as it may change his numbers, number of runs as he's had a lot more um, RBIs. So maybe, you know, obviously they can push him down into order as far as number two, but his pure um, X or advanced power numbers are great in the top 95th percentile wise. And then, you know, top 20 and exit velocity in the league. So he's going to get you a lot of homers, a lot of RBI. So great power play there. Um, then I've got batting uh, third here, just to throw it out batting order, but Matt Chapman average exit velocity and barrel percentage is higher though. Even, um, even then, you know, even more than Olsen. So, you know, you have to wonder whether the new ballpark uh, will actually improve their numbers as the A's, you know, um, they have given the green light to go with hitters to go and go hit, hit and get more home runs than any other team. So that's part of their analytic strategy there. So we'll hope to see, hey, have that continue with Chapman. Um, really good fielder, by the way. A lot of these guys um, have won awards as far as, um, you know, fielding excellence. So we can throw that out there as well. And then Andy, I, I want to mention a, a stat on those two guys. One of my favorite stats of the spring here, as we break down these MLB teams, both Matt Chapman and Matt Olson last year, they both hit 36 homers and they knocked in 91. <laughs> and uh, and the funny thing is that Olson did yeah. it with a hundred fewer at bats. So uh, Olson certainly more efficient, and you know. If you have to pick one or the other, obviously you've got a lefty-righty choice, but then it's just going to come down to price. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, Olsen um, didn't need as many at-bats to get those numbers, and he, his batting average was almost 20 points higher as well. Awesome. So then fourth, I got Chris Davis. Although he's being he's been a little bab-up guy, we expect him to, you know, hit more home runs than last year, I would expect. He started out hot. 
opening day and then went on through, you know, a few games. And then he really just got cold the rest of the year, it seemed like. Um, you know, if he could get quickly back to his usual form from previous years, he's easily a top 10 stat cast guy. So we can look for him to get his, his power numbers right back up, I would expect. Yeah, yeah no doubt. I mean, he had, yeah. what, three years in a row over 40 homers and then just fell off the map last year. And this is one other stat I have to mention is, uh, do you know that he batted 247 four years in a row? Exactly 247. <laughs> just incredible. <Yeah. laughs> but then last so, year he dipped down to yeah. 220. So you're expecting a bounce back for him, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So that's what we'll look to anticipate there. Then I got probably um, batting sixth here or somewhere around that order. Uh, Ramon Laureano, um, another case of basically where his AAA numbers, um, they can turn into real stat cast numbers, really. We'll have ourselves some pure power uh, player that displays some ISO, um, good ISO there. And it actually uh, 233 to be exact and a slugging of 521 last year. So real nice there. We can get some nice um, homers and runs batted in from Loriano. And then a lot of guys I uh, like, and they're on this guy, um, maybe for season long, Mark Canna. Uh, displays really, looks really uh, nice swing at the plate when you watch him. And even better, ISO uh, here posted a 244 isolated, um, you know, power number, pure power. So as he is in a sweet spot, basically, in the order for a great DFS value, you know, he's got, not going to be that high priced. He usually isn't uh, for the simulations either. So nice um, ex-WOBA batting average. Uh, I don't know how that exact number, but I'm sure it's pretty good. And then uh, he's, he's also a walk guy. He can get some walks. And, hey, walks is not a bad thing either because, you know, three points per walk on FanDuel as another bonus to add on to his home runs. He had 26 last year. So what do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, he batted 273, uh, 26 homers like you mentioned, slugged over 500. And just to get back to your point yeah. about a decent price for Canna and, and the overall approach of these A's, the first six guys you've mentioned, they all hit over 20 home runs last year. So is this is this one of the teams that you like to stack? Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. You can go up and down the order to stack them, you know, whatever side you want to stack. You, know, you can get them lined up, maybe get a – number two, the number four and five hit or something like that, or you can go on down the line. You know, it just depends on, you know, they'll have some variations to this lineup. But, yeah, just look at it um, every time they play and off the bat, look at these guys. So then I got um, Stephen Biscotti. He's probably going to be down in, the, uh, uh, down in the order for sure here with all this, you know, these talented power hitter guys uh, projected to bounce back with a higher on-base percentage, I would say, than he did last year um, based on the numbers – Prior to last year, he's usually a good on-base guy. So once you get him on base, then, you know, maybe um, some more of these guys even come behind him once you get back up. You know, you would love to do like a wrap a wraparound stack, you know, get your eighth, ninth hitter and then see who's batting first and second, confirm and, and get your, give your guys like a four-man uh, stack there. And then, you know, he's worth 20 homers, uh, Piscotti is. So you don't know even how many um, stealing base, stolen bases you'll get out of this lineup. You know, but I believe he had uh, more than any of these other guys there, if I'm not mistaken, Piscotti. So maybe that's another added bonus for him at the end of the lineup. So then I'm looking at guys around out the end of the lineup here. At catcher, 
looking at Sean Murphy. He has incredible small sample size, isolated power ISO. Um, they may have figured something out with the 25-year-old to help improve his uh, power hitting numbers as a catcher who did the same thing in AAA. So I wouldn't be surprised there. Murphy um, kind of shakes out to be a nice um, investment here this year as well. And then probably, um, I believe this is an infielder, Franklin Barreto. Um, right. He may not get regular you know, batting spots in this lineup at all um, unless he can duplicate what he did in the minors. You know, he didn't do anything in the major leagues much. Um, in the minors, you know, hit, hitting uh, 189 ISO, or was that last year in the majors? I'm not, uh, not sure. But he has he has also um, got, gotten stolen bases upside, so he's proven to do that in the minors, getting get you some some you know pretty good uh, speed numbers. Yeah, just to follow up there uh, on those two points, yeah, Murphy. Average, he's averaged about 10 home runs a year in the minors at about 60 games per year. So that's a nice ratio. And then, like you mentioned, Barreto, just terrible last year in the big leagues at 123 with a slugging 263. OPS only 401. But in the minors, he did hit 289 career with 86 homers and, and 350 knocked in off to a good start in the spring, batting 306. Mm-hmm. 11 for 36 this spring. So if he can just bat a little bit more like he did in the minors, he'd be a good good guy to have in the nine hole for these athletics. Yeah, and that's more key what you said right there, Andrew, is that looking at their minor league numbers, it doesn't make a difference for most veterans. But when you're looking at a young guy like this who needs to improve, you know, 22, 25-year-olds, guys that have only been up, you know, for a few games maybe last year, um, or even a full season of it, you know, you want to see how they're improving in spring training, how they're getting their numbers up, where they're doing, if you can even get into more detail with what they're maybe improving their swing and, and looking at their spring training numbers. So that's beneficial in some way. Absolutely. I, I also want to mention our apologies for the technical difficulties. If you can't see Andy right now on the stream, I can't see him right now, but I can hear him. And okay. it's unfortunate. We don't get to see that Cleveland oh, Browns wow. shirt here potentially okay. for the rest of the podcast, but I'm glad we got the initial view. So we All know right. where you're going to be focused tonight, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, anything else on the hitters, yeah. Andy, before you get to the pitchers? All set, ready. All right. Tell me so, about this pitching staff. Looking at the pitching staff. I'm going to start out with Mike Fires. So Fires, let's see here. He's a righty, 34 years old, strong stuff. Um, he can pitch a shutout uh, as his defensive fielding backs him up well. As I mentioned, they're a good fielding team. Um, there's no one to replace uh, Jerks and Profar, though, in the field. Uh, he was a good fielder as well, so he'll kind of miss him uh, backing him up. You know, Profar was like a utility guy that played first and, you know, middle infield, corner infield, things like that. But um, but with Fires, though, you know, he can allow fly balls sometimes. Is, uh, but, you know, he keeps the, guy, keeps the ball in the park. For the most part, you know, five and a half to six innings pitched. He was the opening day starter last year, and he's competing for that spot here once again whenever we may get a season to start. More on the advanced side with his numbers, uh, his XFIP was um, high last year at 5.2, so that's not good uh, compared to a, a 3.9 ERA. So, um, you know, it should back drop back down, though, I would expect to his usual 4.5 XFIP or XERA of five is what he did 
last year. So maybe we'll get him back down to four ERA. Uh, well, down below four ERA, we hope, this year if we're using him. I hope so. Um, and then his home run per nine was about nine, uh, 1.4. Uh, you know, he had a 15-4 and four record, so he had a good chance of getting a win whenever you played him there. Um, he, he allowed only, uh, you know, average 39% hard contact the last two years. Actually, compared to his career, 34% hard contact. So he's usually been pretty good as far as not allowing too many homers overall. Um, in spring training, he was throwing more of an off-speed. Um, his stuff effectively feeling good as, of course, competing for opening day with Frankie Montas. Uh, was ready ready to get 90 pitches in on, on the next outing. However, disappointingly, we didn't get to see that happen due to his suspension of play. And Andy, you, uh, I remember Fires is one of the guys you you were chatting with our members about in Discord. Um, and again, I should mention now, if you want to become a member yeah. of DFS, DFS Coach Talk and and chat with us about some of these players preseason, then go to our website dfscoachtalk.com, grab one of the memberships. It'll be frozen until we get baseball or basketball back. But I remember you um, chatting with our members about Mike Fires, and then you know I noticed where he's from, from right up the road from you in Deerfield Beach. Mm. So is cool. that uh, maybe that's influencing you? And he's got the uh, uh, <laughs> the hometown. No, I didn't even know that. Uh, I didn't even know that. Uh, so yeah, just not far. You know, like an hour, not well, 30 minutes away, really. Right. So cool. And then. We've got a, a mentioned Frankie Montas, his 27-year-old righty, hard-throwing potential ace. He can keep uh, his ERA down, as he did in the springtime. Unfortunately, with most um, pitchers, he, he didn't get a chance to get fully stretched out in the spring, but should have a chance to do so when the MOB ranks back up, uh, ramps up, that is. So, you know, you can get a solid six innings per outing with him, as he has a nice ground ball rate, keeping it down while elevating his strikeouts to almost 10 Ks per nine. So showing nice improvement over 2018, that's what we need to see, continued improvement. So his XFIP was only 4.1, even though missing several games with an injury. Um, he used a quick pitch in spring training, which he did um, during the 2017 season in his campaign uh, rookie year unsuccessfully. Do you know anything about the quick pitch? I hadn't read about that. No, it's just a real quick, uh, you're trying to catch the uh, batter off guard by just throwing it like maybe like a sidearm. Um, you know, it, it varies as far as how they use it, but uh, it's pretty interesting. You know, if you um, type in um, YouTube the quick pitch and just see a bunch of MLB pitchers trying that from time to time, and, and um, really I didn't hear about it until recently or see of it. So and yeah, but, well, um, what I hadn't I hadn't heard that he was uh, employing that this spring, but I will say that as a hitter. I, I do think it's very effective. You know, the timing is so important. And I was one of those guys that I like to be able to at least get into the box and get set. And anytime a, pick, a pitcher was quick pitching or just rushing their delivery, I mean, I had to I had to make sure and make an adjustment. And anything like that that fouls up the the batter's mentality is a nice weapon. So I, I like to hear that uh, hear about that experiment. Cool. So that's what he tried. We'll see if it happens uh, to be used again. And um, he had good fly ball uh, rate. Um, no, actually, actually a good uh, fastball up to 98 miles an hour. He mostly uses um, the four-seamer and sinker 
nice speed on a two-seamer as well. So he allows an elite level, very low barrel rate of 3%. So you're not going to get some any very many good swings off of him. Um, he has no glaring weakness, says Frankie Montas. Expect well under, I would say, one home run per, mo- per nine, maybe even just .7, which is very good, not allowing home runs. So uh, overall, look at Montas is developing into potentially uh, what they're grooming him for, the, the number one ace on this team. No doubt about it. So then we got the, uh, probably third in the order here. Sean Manaya is a lefty. Uh, he, he's improved by actual, actually an improvement of three Ks per nine to nine um, Ks per nine in his fourth season at 28 years old. So that was, I was surprised to see that. Um, good ground ball rate pitcher. Home run per nine is about at 1.1. So that's okay. XFIP was about four. And ERA kept to 1.2. But he could only get five games in started in due to injury. So that's probably why we saw that super low ERA. Um, he was 4-0, though, as a starter. Um, fastball, not good. And, you know, we, we never see him um, towards the upper 90s. So you don't get a whole lot of velocity out of that. However, he does not walk batters, showing nice control on changeup and slider. Um, he should use those pitches more. Um, but what he did to try to improve is he worked with Randy Johnson to try to improve on a slider, uh, getting strikeouts with a refined pitch in spring, in spring training. Well, hey, anytime you can get some extra lessons from Randy Johnson, especially as a left-handed pitcher, I'm all for that. Yep. So let's see. Maybe we get some more solid pitching out of him. Fourth, I got Jesus Lazardo, another nice young gun there, a lefty, only 22 years old. Uh, he needs to improve his slider and command in six games pitched last year, but he produ- he also produced a super low ERA, 1.08, and you might like this here, a 0.6 whip across three Cactus League, st- league starts, so talking spring training, but he performed like an ace, um, dominated in a win over the Mariners with eight strikeouts over three innings consistently in the 96, 97 mile per hour range, so velocity velocity is very good. Um, which we always want to try to know and use these pitchers and play them in DFS. So his five-plus innings, though, pitch um, – no, his five-plus pitch counts. Uh, so the type of pitches he uses, he has diversified type of pitches, should anchor the rotations. He stays healthy in, for the next decade, really, high-end prospect. Yep, absolutely. Got to love the 22-year-old with those types of numbers. That's That's excellent. Yeah. And then um, probably rounding out the fifth, fifth um, well, there's two guys here, really. Let's say the fifth pitcher, Chris Bassett. He's a 31-year-old veteran. He had a 10-5 and record last year, decent at strikeouts, had, um, you know, and allowing not too many home runs, keeping the ball on the ground. XFIP was at 4.6, which is stabilized with a 3.8 ERA for his career. His four-seamer is good at 94 miles an hour does not show his weaknesses as much as he usually is uh, mainly a sinker for his strength, his type of pitch and his hard, his hard contact is fine at 37%. And then I got AJ puck. He's a lefty 24 years old, nice high potential here, pitched in 10 games last year, uh, showing high ground ball rate of 48%. So that's real nice there to get out of a pitcher in general, expect maybe 10 uh, K's per nine. So we can look for him to maybe jump up with a high upside uh, if he gets the innings, especially. And a number two prospect for the A's last year after Lizardo. 
So coming back from Tommy John, he actually did. Um, he stretched himself out, throwing uh, 120 feet. 120 feet. So they do that long um, throw to try to get their improvement on their game. Um, had a shoulder flare up though, but has time to get right for the start of whenever the season is. Uh, fastball thrower at 97 miles per hour. I'm sure he can get it up to 98. Yeah, and there's another guy who's six foot seven as a lefty who hopefully Manaya will share some of those secrets he got from Randy Johnson because tall lefty like that with some with some heat. Um, he's almost in that same mold of Randy Johnson. Definitely, man. So they got a good bullpen. I mean, I didn't didn't fire up any specific guys or anything, you know. But uh, it should be good as far as in that department as well. Yeah. So overall here, you know, all the stats that you've you've added here sort of support my thought that uh, in terms of overall outlook for these two teams, you got to give the edge still to the A's, don't you, with that that power lineup one through six and really a sort of a more attractive rotation overall since we've got. Otani out for the Angels. I think Joe Madden and that crew, they're going to have their work cut out for them, and they're going to try to track down the A's in the standings. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree. Um, the, the A's are well-rounded teams, not a lot of weaknesses. Keeping healthy, of course, if they can, especially if they can keep healthier than they did last year. So many of these guys I named were shortened on their starts. So if we can get that uh, elevated health-wise and get all these guys stretched out and ready, they'll be good to go and provide offense and defense. Excellent. Well, good coverage on the A's there. Any final thoughts on these two teams before we wrap up and get ready for the NFL draft? We are good to go, my friend. Okay. Well, I got to say, tomorrow I'm expecting Santino to be on. And as as you may not know, our listeners here, Santino, even though he's in the Northeast, he is a monster Miami Dolphins fan. And Really, his his future happiness depends on Miami finding a way to draft Tua tonight. So oh, wow. Just basically, I'm, I'm going to ask all the listeners to say a prayer for Santino, because if the Dolphins don't get Tua, it's, it's going to be rough. <laughs> He's going to be hurting. Yeah. Hoping if, you know, a lot of people down here in, in Florida expect that to happen, I suppose. Um, yeah. But it's going to be a little bit tough to avoid all the teams coming in trading up and swooping them up yeah that's going to be one of the fun things to watch tonight so uh that's going to do it for our coverage today um we do uh we do ask to if you have a second give us a thumbs up wherever you're listening positive review Uh, you can find andy on twitter at drew j gallagher d-r-e-w-j-g-a-l-l-a-g-h-e-r you can find me on Twitter at Language Olympic. And as I mentioned, we are going to continue rolling through our seven days a week podcasts uh, during this stoppage of play. We'll have two more MLB teams for you tomorrow. So please do tune in, tune in again for the next episode of DFS Coach Talk. Mm-hmm.